welcome back, Halloweenies. Today is Halloween. It's the most glorious holiday of them all. But if you're like me, you don't celebrate the spook spook on just one day a year. No, it's a constant, ever-present mood, way of living, and way of being, really. With that being said, this is Horror-like Behavior, and it is the fourth episode, my dudes. Today we're going to be talking about 2005's The Descent. Directed and written by Neil Marshall, this movie is a 99-minute journey, let me tell you. If you're claustrophobic, this may not be the movie for you. Same thing goes for if the dark makes your stomach drop, or if you get woozy seeing blood, or if you have a thing against creatures that have human-like features. Settling, guys, this one is a doozy. You may be sick of me saying this, but this is another one of my favorites. It's on my top five favorite horror movies list, and I don't see it moving anytime soon. Normally, I find that creature films are a bit corny, but not this one. Now let's not get too ahead of ourselves, though. The Descent is about a group of adventurous women on an expedition in a North Carolina cave. But this particular adventure is different from past excursions they've had, ones that no doubt have a more chipper tone. See, at the beginning of the movie, we are witness to a horrific happening. A trio are on a white water rafting trip, just having the time of their goddamn lives. I would love to have a group of friends that would be down to do some adventuring, but maybe not adventuring with one another's significant others. Unless all parties consent, of course. See, it is clear that one of these friends is shagging the husband of another one of the girls. But the affair ends abruptly when on the way home, the main character of the film, Sarah, suffers immense tragedy when her husband and daughter are killed instantaneously due to a metal pole crashing through the front window of the car, which then impales the two of them. Yikes. That's some final destination shit, and that is why I don't drive behind cars that have any type of large anything on them. And let me take that instantaneous back because you do see Sarah's husband twitching after that pole impales him. And actually, they weren't even driving behind this car. The car with the poles was coming towards them. Sarah's husband just happened to not be looking at the road at that very moment. He was acting a little distant and quiet, so she was kind of trying to see if there was anything wrong with him. And that's when everything happened. And of course, as the audience, we know that it's probably having to do with the fact that he's having an affair. I also want to mention that if you haven't seen this movie yet the part where um it's alluding to an affair after they're done whitewater rafting if you are not paying attention you will miss it i watched this movie not too long ago with three friends who completely missed it all of them they were actually in disbelief when i told them that that was the case they didn't believe me so the pole impaling is the first jump scare of the movie and it is completely unexpected we weren't slowly taken by the hand and led into the spooky waters we were pushed in and left gasping for air no matter how you slice it miss sarah's having a pretty terrible day. She lost her husband and her daughter in a matter of seconds. And when she wakes up in the hospital and realizes her loss, she's understandably beside herself. She's sobbing into the arms of her friend Beth, who is also whitewater rafting, while Juno, the woman who was having the affair with Sarah's husband, looks on sobbing as well. If I went through that experience like Sarah did, I feel like I would never step foot in a car again. 
ever. I just don't know how somebody could get over something like that. But the movie skips to a year later and Beth and Sarah are again driving in a car in the Appalachian Mountains. They're on their way to meet up with other friends, including Juno, and they're gonna have another adventure together. Now we see a lot of shots from overhead while they're driving to meet up with the friends, and in my opinion this is because the director wanted to show how isolated their location truly is, adding to the overall tenseness of the movie. They meet up finally, and there are six of them total. This is going to be the first excursion since Sarah's incident with her husband and her daughter. So everybody's kind of walking on eggshells in a way, and you can tell that Sarah is trying her best to stay positive and happy and excited, but there's also that underlying tone of just sadness. I'd say the most excited out of all of the girls is Juno, though. And it kind of makes me angry. She is someone that is just an unlikable character because you know of what she's done. She gets up the earliest on the morning that they leave for their adventure, and she goes on a fucking run before an entire day packed of physically demanding activity. Who is this bitch? All I know is that would not be me. I would be waking up at the latest possible time that I could get away with without my friends bitching at me to get up. I do love my sleep. Juno just seems like the overachiever in high school that you just hated. At one point, she grabs her leg and stretches it upward. Stupid flexible bitch. We get it. You stay limber. We already knew that because you were fucking your friend's husband on the reg. Okay, but honestly, as much as I hate her character, Juno is a smoke show. She's fucking hot, and she's one of those human beings that you just can't look away from. She's that beautiful. But her character is a dumpster human being, so my thoughts still remain. If Juno playing Hide the Weasel with Sarah's husband was not enough to make you dislike her as much as I do, just wait, she gets way worse. So anyways, that morning, the girls pack up two cars and hit the road. They finally get to a spot where they get out of their cars and have to hike the rest of the way to the mouth of the cave, led by Juno, who is seemingly the one who planned the excursion. But little miss thing Juno has a secret. The rest of the girls are expecting to be in a cave that people have already been in before many times, hence why Juno has a map for the inside of the cave, the cave that they were thinking they were going to be going into. But alas, this is a cave that doesn't have its own map because it technically has not been discovered yet. Juno wanted to be the first to discover it with her friends. She even told Sarah that she wanted to have it named after her when they discover it because I don't know if it was maybe like some type of guilt or just the way that she is grieving because I know everybody grieves differently. And as bad as what she did was, at the end of the day, she still lost somebody that was important to her. So who knows what she was thinking. Her reasoning could be speculated upon, but um, her decision had consequences. And let me just backtrack a little bit here. So the way that they found out that Juno actually took them to a cave that was undiscovered was that while they were making their way through a pretty tight tunnel, the rocks actually start to collapse. Sarah is the last to go through and she 
barely makes it. With the way they came in not being an option anymore, one of the girls suggested they look at the guidebook. But Juno left the guidebook in the car. Then she wouldn't have even needed it anyways. Because again, that guidebook was for caves that they weren't exploring. So the girls don't have many options. They can't go back the way they came, so they have to keep going. They get to a point where they come across a, a precipice or a gap and they need to find a way to get over but they lost one bag of supplies when the tunnel collapsed because Sarah had to shed the backpack in order to get through. They end up creating a pulley system and go over one by one. Juno's the last to get over but had a close call on the way. They ended up finding equipment that was over a hundred years old, which means that they were in fact not the first humans to explore this cave. They also find some pretty primitive looking cave drawings as well, and one of the pictures depicts an exit, which gives them all hope that they will be able to find daylight again. Around the one hour mark, we're finally introduced to the creatures that are inhabiting the cave. Sarah goes off from the group a bit and sees a pale human-like figure not that far away from them. This is also around the time that one of the girls, Holly, has broken her leg really badly. And when I say really badly, I mean that you can see the bone jutting out of her skin like a sharp knife. It is pretty gross. Sarah tries to explain to the rest of the girls what she saw, but everybody is pretty preoccupied with the fact that Holly's bone is out of her skin. They're able to set Holly's bone back into her leg, but she's gonna need medical attention. If there wasn't before, there is an urgency now to get out of that cave. Unfortunately for them, their situation just kind of gets worse and worse as the minutes go by. They end up stumbling across a pit of bones and that is when all hell breaks loose. This is the first time in the movie that we actually get a good look at what these creatures are. They're referred to as crawlers and they are disgusting and terrifying and they would definitely give people nightmares. I'll make sure to link a picture on the Instagram just so you guys can see what they look like if you haven't seen the movie. The makeup to create these looks took five hours per person at first. But as shooting continued on and the application process became more organized, the time went down to about three and a half hours or so, which is still a lengthy amount of time, especially to be the actor sitting in that seat for that long. The first girl to be attacked by one of the crawlers is Holly. Juno ends up pretty much wrestling with one of the crawlers and wins because again, she's a fucking overachiever, but it seems like her adrenaline is running a little bit too high because she gets up and she thinks that she's going to be able to kill another one and she turns around and swings the tool that she used to kill the first and actually accidentally stabs Beth in the neck. The rest of the movie is a fucking bloodbath. A bloodbath that I'm choosing not to spoil. Go watch the movie. It's amazing. I give it just like the craft and the gift 10 out of 10 personally. On IMDb currently it's sitting on 7.2 out of 10 stars. Just like what I've been doing lately I'd like to read a not so great user review from IMDb. This person gave it a 1 out of 10. It says the descent is a disappointing horror gore fest that is heavy on blood and light on scares and tension. The scenario is preposterous and the creature effects are beyond crap. The characters and the performances are 
are weak, the film is not scary, and the characters are unsympathetic, which is ultimately why the film is ineffective. The creatures are pathetic and look like poor versions of Smeagol or Gollum. The film gets worse as it goes along. The creatures really sink this film to junk levels. The attack and fight sequences look like crap, and the camera work is quite inept at times. The lighting is probably the most effective element of the film. The Descent will no doubt benefit from the lowered expectations set by today's extremely low-grade, assembly-line, sanitized, and saturated horror genre. The Descent is by no means a classic or even a good horror movie, but it is better than most of the schlock horror films we see today. Wow, I feel like that was insanely harsh, and obviously I don't agree. You know, I would love to just sit down and talk to this person, just to like kind of pick their brain, because I think kind of the exact opposite of everything they said. This person said that the scenario is preposterous, but hey, this is not a documentary about spelunking. This is a horror movie. There are going to be things that are maybe something that's very unlikely to happen in real life. I give the person that left this review a 1 out of 10. So there. In my research for the movie, I found out that the director actually didn't let the actresses see any of the crawlers until they were actually filming so that their reaction could be genuine. And I thought that was pretty cool. I also learned that the set was in fact built and they weren't in an actual cave. They thought that that would be too dangerous and daunting and I think they were right. They were also able to save money on production because they were able to reuse parts that they use in some scenes for scenes later on. We love innovation. A Descent 2 was made and I promise I will go over it eventually but uh, we're just gonna stick with the first one for this episode. It turns out that Neil Marshall didn't even want there to be a second movie. He felt it wasn't necessary and I agree with him um, but I did enjoy the second one, so we'll still be covering it eventually. As always, please let me know how you felt about the movie, if you've already seen it, if you're going to see it, um, yeah, just shoot me a message. That would be ideal. Um, you can contact me at horrorlikebehavior at gmail.com or the Instagram handle is at horror underscore like underscore behavior. And happy Halloween! I hope you guys are doing something to celebrate and are being safe. If you are listening to this the day of Halloween in the morning before 10 p.m., um, I will be doing an Instagram live reading from the first book in the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark trilogy. So you can join me there if you would like. Um, other than that, I will catch you guys next week. Bye!